Welcome to the Standard Age Podcast, a casual conversation about the lives of entrepreneurs and those growing companies. I can't thank you enough for listening as these episodes have been a wonderful supplement to the line of apparel that I'm thrilled to share is steadily growing. If you like what you hear, please visit standard-h.com and sign up for our email list. The website not only hosts every episode of this show, but also allows you to explore the entire product assortment and our latest travel recommendations. As an email subscriber, you will be the first to receive product release information as well as receive offers no one else is privy to. Just visit standard-h.com for more information. Seeing Standard H worn by a growing number of watch enthusiasts has been incredibly cool to witness, so chances are good if you're listening to this, you're probably an enthusiast already. However, if not, it makes no difference as Passion Find Jewelry welcomes everyone into their shop in Solana Beach, California. If you're already in deep, you'll know some of the brands that Tim Jackson and his team carry, which are some of the most highly sought-after independent watch manufacturers sold today. Names like Roger Smith, Grunfeld, Kudoke, Habring, Sarpaneva, and many more. If you can't make it to California, visit passionfinejewelry.com for their entire offering online. This episode is also brought to you by Contonement. Contonement's flagship product, the Kerchief, is a perfect medium between a handkerchief and a bandana. Featuring iconic designs such as the Fender Stratocaster and the dashboard of a Volkswagen GTI, these utilitarian cloths are an item that should be a mainstay in your everyday carry. Tuck one in a back pocket or use one as a neckerchief. Visit them at contonement.co, that's C-A-N-T-O-N-M-E-N-T dot co, and use the code STANDARDH in all caps, no spaces, for 20% off everything in their online shop. Now let's get to the show. Nick Mofler and I met mainly due to me being a golf nut. I knew about Mackenzie golf bags, the old school looking leather bags most similar to a modern day Sunday bag or pencil bag meant for carrying while walking a course. I didn't know a ton about the history of the company, so I did what I often do and I cold called the company via email and asked if they'd be interested in being on the podcast. If you don't ask, you don't get, am I right? Sure enough, Nick agreed after replying asking to have an introductory phone chat which served as perhaps a more appropriate meet and greet. I remember that phone conversation very well because I was on one of my drives to Los Angeles for some product meetings and I noted how young the CEO sounded. Not to speak for Nick, but we got on like a house on fire, so not only am I super stoked to have him in my list of contacts, I'm even more enthralled by the fact that uh, we've got something special coming. I had a blast during this conversation where I learned a much more detailed version of McKenzie's origin story and their approach to some of the coolest golf bags money can buy. I thoroughly enjoy the fact his dad was so enthusiastic about the brand, and I love that Nick is so heavily involved with the product, including the custom bags made. We do a deep dive and nerd out on leather as we explore the various materials McKenzie uses, and because Nick's hiring stemmed from some rough times at McKenzie, Nick's story is an incredibly unique one, and I'm so thrilled to share it. We chat at length about the various struggles and strategies of growing a small business, the role of Instagram, and how hiring help was the hardest and best decision he's ever made. As I've said, this was incredibly fun for me, so I hope it is for you as well. As an added bonus, Nick and I got our heads together for a special made-to-order golf bag for Standard H. Now available through standard-h.com, the lightweight carry bag style is primarily made from a durable wax canvas that's ready for any weather. 
The bag hosts an 8-inch opening, a large one-pocket design which holds everything you need and nothing you don't. On the outside of the pocket, you'll find custom red and white leather racing stripes, whereas on the inside of the pocket, you'll find the same GTI tartan plaid used inside the standard H Targa Florio jacket. The base is a split white and black leather bottom which features the shift logo embroidered large and proud. Think of this carry bag as the vintage 911 you dreamed about as a kid as opposed to a new GT3 RS. There's certainly a place for both. Visit standard-h.com for more information and of course photos. For now, my conversation with Nick. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard H Podcast. But yeah, man, it's good to uh, to get the FaceTime, even though, you know, we've never met in person and stuff. Um, I'm stoked to have you on the show. Um, I'm excited to share sort of the McKenzie story as well, because I try to do some research and then none at all, all at the same time, just due to the fact that I like to hear the story and react to it the way maybe an audience person can. Um, sure, yeah. What... Um, what can you tell us about sort of the origin story of McKenzie? Because it's such a special product. It is a special product. And um, the origin story is a good one. And, uh, you know, I've heard it from tons of different people and it's been recycled. But uh, over the past few years, I've had the chance to get to know Peter and David Jacobson a little bit who started the business back in the eighties. So I feel like I've really got a cool opportunity to hear the story from them, which was fun because I'd heard like so many recycled versions of it. But anyway, it was basically 1985 Peter and David are uh, at a tournament somewhere in the UK. Doesn't go well. Uh, David is caddying for Peter who's kind of an up and coming tour pro at, at this time. People know who he is, but he's not the Peter Jacobson that we know today. Right. He doesn't do well in this tournament. They bounce, they go to St. Andrews and play the old course uh, for a few days just because they're there. And uh, they get assigned a caddy named Rick McKenzie, who eventually becomes the caddy master at the old course. But at this point, he's just a classic pro jock at St. Andrews. And, uh, he sees their like staff bags and is like, Nope, that's not going to work. So asks if he can combine their sets into like a little leather pencil bag. Cause the staff bags too heavy, too big. Just like, you know, okay. he's, he's double bagging for them. They're playing together. He's like, can I take your, your uh, clubs out, combine them into like a combined set and put them in this little leather pencil bag and being the easygoing guys that they are. They're like, yeah, sure. So, they end up caddying, uh, having Rick caddy for him, love him, get along well, think this golf bag he's carrying is awesome. So after the round, they're kind of like, basically like, Rick, can we have that golf bag? Like, we'll buy it from you. We want to go back and start a golf bag business. And uh, they ended up naming it after him, the McKenzie Golf Bag Company. And funny enough, the, the logo uh, that we use, the little McBaggins logo, as we call it, that was on Rick McKenzie's business card. So we really have Rick McKenzie to thank for the namesake and the original logo that we use today. So yes, fast forward, Peter and David come back, uh, you know, the 
commission a local craftsman and actually like buy some patterns that were from an old guy here that used to make golf bags and kind of like use the bag from Rick and just like come up with this like super streamlined, super simple golf bag that, you know, hasn't really changed all that much since 1985. And yeah, that's kind of the Genesis story. And obviously a lot has transpired in 35 years up till now, but yeah, um, that's kind of how it started. If that's what you're is that what you were looking for? Now you guys are in the greater Portland area, right? Yep. Yeah. So we're uh, we're in actually in Beaverton, just like sure. a little bit west of Portland. Yeah. That's OSU. It's Beaverton. Uh, no, they are the Beavers. They're in Corvallis, which is oh Corvallis. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are the Oregon State Beavers, but no affiliation to Beaverton. Which no, is you're right. Like, Beaverton's where the Nike campus is. We're just That's... like 15 minutes from downtown. Yeah, totally. Cool, cool. Um, I was going to ask you um, how sort of the bags stand up to Oregon weather, because obviously you guys are known for... <laughs> Uh, and, you know, and leather isn't really synonymous with like, hey, let's go wear this in the rain. You know what I mean? Sure. And, yeah. Um, so do you guys treat the bags? Um, this is like, I didn't even have this question written down. I'm just like thinking off top, you know, like. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, we make bags out of a lot of different materials. One of the most popular ones is waxed canvas. Sure. It's like a. It's like a heavyweight, you know, like 16 ounce cotton duck canvas that's treated with this like synthetic wax or uh, sorry, super organic wax. We also have treated <laughs> canvas, which is treated with a synthetic uh, agent. But the wax canvas is like the most popular wet weather option and really does well in like super. I mean, we take those things down to abandon and get cotton sideways rain and it's really like pretty awesome how good wax canvas does for what it's worth though like leather it people get scared because they spent a bunch of money on a leather golf bag which perhaps that's a fair thing to feel but they real it's a extremely dirt leather is durable like yeah they've been making like outdoor stuff out of leather for a long long time right. so it's kind of one of those things like what we like to tell people is like uh it's kind of like it will take care of you if you take care of it. Like if, if it gets particularly wet, like maybe don't shove it in the trunk of your car for like a week, you know, right. like take all your stuff out and let it dry. But in like leather is durable. And like, if you care for it, it totally can like handle wet weather. And, you know, honestly, what's toughest on leather, not toughest, but like what you see wear out leather is sun exposure more than rain. Right. Dries it out. Totally. Yeah. So it's just like your skin. Like if you just spend a bunch of time in the sun, like it just dries you out and cracks. And so we have some like products you can put on it. It's just like, you know, lotion, you know, leather yeah. conditioner. Yeah, um, exactly. I love that. A long way. I love that line too. When I was, I so I used to work for Gucci and we used to say the same thing about our handbags when we were selling them to people. It's like, well, how long is this going to last? And we used to say like, it'll take care of you. If like, if, if you take care of it, it'll take care of you. Yeah. exactly. And, um, and yeah, I mean, that's never more true than with like a leather good item too. Boots are the same way, right? Like I'm a huge guy that, uh, into boots. It's funny too, because you get like such a wide variety of customers and like how they'll treat their products. Like some are like, it's in a glass case. Like if it gets a speck of dirt, they wipe it off leather conditioner, you know, monthly, Others yeah. like 
run it over with their car. Don't <laughs> care. Like, you know, right. just like beat the heck out of it. So you get yeah. a wide variety of, of uh, people treating their products a certain way. Do you guys source your materials from like the same types of people that like Peter was doing in the eighties? Like, are you working with us tanneries? Like, where do you get your, your like fabrics and your materials from? Uh, so a lot of that has been improved dramatically. So the types of materials and the quality of the leather that uh, we were using back in the day, it's a lot, a lot, a lot better now. So okay, um, we source all of our, like I was talking about the wax canvas and treated canvas. We source all of that from one of the oldest fabric finishers in the country. Um, they've been around since like the early 1900s. Um, super, super high quality stuff there on the East coast. So that's where we get all the like base material, uh, for the canvas, um, leather, our distributors in the U S some of the hides are American. A lot of them are German. Um, mm. but yeah, we use a variety of different types of leathers. We've also been doing a lot more work with Horween leather. Sure. Um, they're out of Chicago. You, yep. you know, if you're into boots or watch straps and stuff like that, you'll see that. So it's kind of wild because that, uh, that like we use their Chrome XL leather a lot. It's used a lot for like smaller, like wallets and stuff. And we yes. buy it and turn it into golf bags. It's like kind of a ridiculous amount of like a really cool leather to put into a golf well, bag, but that's. It's such a great material because there's such a high oil content in it. So it's like super resilient and malleable for that reason. Um, totally. Like those, like people who wear like Wolverine thousand mile boots, like those are pretty much all Horween's Chrome XL, which, you know, if those out there, most, most guys that wear the boots already know this, but <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing leather and obviously a, a, a storied history there at Horween as well. Yeah. It, it's really cool. Um, if anybody's interested in it, they actually have a pretty cool website that just like gives you kind of like a rundown of how long they've been around and like you said, that, that they really have nailed that process of like pressing those oils and waxes into that leather. Um, you know, some, their vegetable tan leathers are some of the like most amazing. And then they actually have a new leather that we just made a golf bag out of called Montana. Okay. It's like double tan. So there are two main types of leather are like chrome tan leather and vegetable tan leather. Um, each has its own like advantages. This like new Montana leather is like double tan. So it's like all supposedly like all the good parts of vegetable tanned leather, which is like strength and rigidity. And then all the good parts of chrome tan leather, which would be like soft, supple pull up smashed into one. So it's really? like this super sick leather. Yeah. It's their newest, newest hide. It's called Montana. Um, so yeah, Corwin's amazing. And we've just started in the last probably three, two, three years using more and more of that. But, uh, yeah, I think we're pretty nimble with like what we like to kind of keep. I would say I kind of, uh, alluded to earlier, like the bag's not that different from 85 or whatever, which is true in a lot of senses, like the silhouette we try to like honor, right? Like one strap, one pocket, one divider, no frills. Like that's kind of our, like, you know, lighthouse, if you will. And we'll steer, you know, people like bells and whistles and want an air tag in their bag or want some, you know, football jersey turned into a pocket. Cool. But like the, the, the ethos has remained the same. So the silhouette is the same as 85, but like all the stuff we're doing, the, 
things we're making the bags out of the, you know, like little things that people don't think about that we've changed where like to the untrained eye, it looks really similar, but like, it's actually quite different from like an engineering standpoint, you know, like tons of parts of the bag are um, folded and stitched over like vinyl, like heavyweight vinyl, like 18 gauge vinyl. So it's like, you wouldn't know that underneath your handle is a big piece of vinyl, but like, that's why it's so durable. Mm. And then just like our stainless steel top rings, like, there's a machine shop that makes like engine parts 20 minutes away that makes us these crazy sturdy stainless steel top rings. Um, like the strap, like all the stuff, every time we like see a repair bag come back, we kind of like learn from it. Right. And like, it's usually the same stuff. And then we're like, okay, what can we make do to make this not happen? And like, what can we do to, you know, just like always paying attention to that stuff. And like, I think we've kind of like always done that. And that's why the product is like, you know, just sort of like evolved a little bit. And, and, and um, that's why it lasts a long time, I guess. Like just pay attention to what's maybe coming back as a repair and try and fix the problem. And you'll, you'll in 35 years, you're probably going to have a decent product. So. Yeah. If something fails, like see why it failed. You know, I mean, I'm sure like, like NASA does the same thing, right? Like if, right. if they try to engineer <laughs> stuff, I mean, granted, this is a golf bag and far fewer moving parts, but I'm saying <laughs> yeah, like, no you just, you just look at like where the failures are in durability, et cetera, and, and kind of fix the problem from there. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's super cool. Are you from Oregon originally? Mm-hmm. Yep. I was uh, born and raised here. And then uh, I went to college in California and lived there for a little while after I graduated and then moved back up here. Where did you go to school? Chapman University. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. That's like an hour from my house. Um, Where are you at again? San Diego. Oh, okay. Yeah. We yeah, yeah. about that. Okay. Um, what did you study at Chapman? I studied business. Uh, okay. Yeah. Business. And then I got a minor in, in leadership and, uh, yeah, then honestly started working for McKenzie, like right as I graduated. Um, that's kind of a long story, but, uh, I, I was kind of like working back in the day, I was doing just like sales for McKenzie and was basically like the West coast rep and like traveling all over the place. Um, and then many things transpired and I ended up moving back to Portland and kind of we shifted strategies as a company a little bit. And uh, now I'm here steering the steering the ship from from home base. So. So who can you expand on that at all or is. Sure. Uh, I. I. Uh, how can I, can I go like five minutes into this and just give you my, my story with Mackenzie and how I got involved? Dude, that's why, that's why I'm hosting you on the show. <laughs> okay, well, um, so, uh, my dad, uh, was an Evans scholar. Are you familiar with the Evans scholarship? It's a caddy scholarship. They send, they've sent like 10,000 kids to college full tuition on that are all caddies. Super amazing. Rad. Uh, so that's how my dad went to college anyway. He goes to the, the, there's an auction. I actually just went to it this past Monday. Uh, but uh, Mackenzie, back in the day, this is 2013 or 2014, donates, donated a golf bag to the auction every year. 
Uh, my dad was at that auction, ended up buying the golf bag at the auction, goes to, uh, goes to like collect his golf bag and make it and falls in love with this cool little business. Um, this is right as I'm graduating from college. My dad is kind of like retired. He just, uh, he sold his business. He was in the soap business for a long time and just like goes to do this golf bag, uh, and falls in love with this little business and asks me as I'm graduating, like, Hey, this business is like struggling a little bit. The product's really cool. Would you be interested in like coming and helping me like run this thing? And of course I'm at this point, like trying to figure out what I want to do. Uh, I've worked in commercial real estate. I've worked in, this is in college. So I say worked in, but like, I'm like dabbling in these different fields, trying to figure out what I want to do. And my dad's like out of nowhere, just like, do you want to do this? And I'm like, okay, I think like I'd be an idiot not to go do this. So uh, I graduate and we start on this journey of like trying to steer McKenzie golf bags, which is like the storied old brand. I had heard about it, didn't know much about it. Um, they weren't in a very good way. Like it was a little bit of a mess. Um, but I think like this, it survived on just like the quality of the product and just an amazing collection of customers that were just like fearlessly loyal, even when they probably were, you know, Mackenzie didn't deserve them to be loyal, but they were just cause they loved the product and incredible. Yeah. So that was 2014, 15. And it was a long, long time of just like what felt like treading water and trying to, you know, put out a fire with a pint glass, but, um, it was, uh, just the last few years since moving back to Portland, really that, um, you know, we've started to kind of experience a little bit of growth and some success. And, um, it's really been like an amazing, I'm so lucky that I got this opportunity and it's been a really, really fun journey just in the last, you know, seven years or so. That man, that's amazing. And obviously news to me as well. And this is why I don't do certain research because like, this is incredible even for me to hear. So, okay. So for clarity, when you guys auction a bag every year, I think I understand what you're saying, but just for clarity, you auction off the opportunity to create a bag with you guys. Exactly. As opposed to auctioning just like an already made bag. Right. Right. Sorry because if that wasn't clear. So No, 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 no. That's fine. So for those out there that don't know, like you guys have that component on your website where you can go on and it's kind of like Nike ID where you can go and like build your own bag, which I've done, I don't know, half a dozen times. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I'm struggling, you know, because of, you know, what to get, how to get it, what materials to use, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, so you guys auction off this bag. Your dad does it. He builds the bag. He's in love with the bag. And then he buys the company. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> uh, basically in a that's a long story but yeah but like how so i guess through the bag building process he's in multitudes of conversations with the owners or then owners and says like how are you guys doing and they're like not good like that's exactly how it went so in the process of designing this bag finds out that like things are not going well so he's like hey i you know i i'm in a position where i can kind of I'm like sitting around, not doing much, playing a bunch of golf. Like I retired five years ago. 
does some stuff to keep himself busy, but like, this is yeah. a cool opportunity. So I think they were in a position where they really needed some help. He was in a position where he kind of wanted to and could, and that's how, you know, we kind of got involved. And I think, um, yeah, he, it was just a cool opportunity for him and I to work together. And I think he knew that too. And that's awesome. It's, uh, yeah, I guess too, I, for clarity's sake. So like to anybody listening, we make golf bags and they're all like <laughs> custom <laughs> and you can go on our website and, you know, like do the deal. Like you said, Nike ID, a golf bag, but we also like talk to people a bunch and we kind of try to like create this like thing where we're sort of like, if you went to go get like a custom suit, right? Yeah, totally. Go see the tailor and they'd be measuring you, showing you a book of all the different fabrics and like, we try to have created that sort of like customer experience, but like retroactively, because I mean, you can come build a golf bag at our shop, but like, that's what we want it to feel like when you come, like, honestly, the best way to get a McKenzie is to like, just email our info at email address or literally call us on the phone and you'll get me, Ian or Alec. And like, we're just going to like chat with you. Like we're chatting right now and help you like understand what's going on and make a golf bag. That's it. That's a, that's incredible. So how big is the team? We have 12 employees now. Cool. Uh, so the three I just mentioned myself, Alec and Ian are sort of the like customer facing side of the business. So we're handling everything from answering the phone, taking orders, dealing with our wholesale customers, Instagram, uh, shipping stuff, like all that kind of stuff is just the three of us. And then yeah. the rest of the team is, are just amazingly talented craftsmen and women that, uh, help us put this stuff together. Okay. Oh, I'm actually, I'm kind of curious to ask you one more thing about the Montana leather. Actually, are you guys, are, or is Horween, I guess, are they limited at all by color or things like that? Is it more of like a natural looking type of material? Okay, so it's not like, you know, dyed or vegetable tanned or, or, or you know, as far as like the the coloring uh, goes. I they have they have different colors, but like not a ton. Okay. The majority, like most, like the leather we use a lot of, our favorite hide. Um, that's like a, a chrome tanned full grain like semi aniline leather. We have like. I don't know. I'm looking at the, I mean, here, bear with me. Yeah, sure. Like this is the color palette. We're looking oh. at, I don't know, 40 different colors. And that's the Montana. No, that's like oh. our regular. That's what we use mostly for everything. But Got like it. Montana comes in like maybe three colors. I don't know. Yeah. So we like use it, but like, sparingly and same with chrome xl i think it maybe comes in like five colors yeah 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 three of which are some version of a brown right but yeah i think that's been for us the like montana and the chrome xl any of that horween stuff has been like specialty you know projects like uh you know we've just used it for like some shop specials and people that uh like know about it and want to use it um yeah but yeah, what that was Montana's like, cool. 
when you said that, like, you know, the business was struggling, obviously, like, what were some of the shortcomings of the business when your dad was speaking to them? Was it manufacturing? Was it sales? Like, where was the where was the brand like not hitting on all cylinders? The brand was, I think, like, I think there was some organizational issues um, that were just like a little, you know, they just were kind of like holding themselves back a little bit and not organized in a lot of ways. And I think uh, they kind of just like had this, what I think we were really fortunate because like in some ways it felt like when we got involved, it felt like a startup, right? Like we have to like build systems and like do all this stuff that like, this is unorganized. So we need to make it organized. It felt like a startup in that way. But in a, on the other side of that coin, like this business had this brand that was like this ember that was like in danger of going out, like if it was mistreated any further, but like right. it was such a, such a, um, such a powerful like tool to have this like little brand that like if we blew on this ember, like it was strong, like you could, you knew it was there, but like customer loyalty, the history, the quality of the product, like the brand identity was there. It was just needed to be like coddled. So like in some ways we had a huge advantage in this like awesome little brand that just needed some help. But yeah. also it felt at times like, and like, just, this is crazy. This is, this is, a, it felt like a startup. Like there's, yeah. there's no systems in place to make things go smoothly. Right. Right. Yeah. And so your dad having done his soap business probably lended itself to, to understanding how to organize and such. For sure. I think just like little, like there was no computer system when we got the business, like no QuickBooks, no order management or accounting software. You know, it was like pink slips and writing shit on napkins. So yeah. like that kind of simple stuff like had to be done. Um, and yeah, I think his, his business experience helped, I think, uh, a lot, obviously he's an, he was, he worked in accounting. He's a accounting guy. So big numbers guy. Yeah. I think we, what made a good, him and I make a good team with this business in particular, he's very much a numbers guy, like not a brand guy, not a creative guy, but it's like you take, he takes all the fluff out and looks at the numbers, which is extremely valuable at the end of the day, like those numbers have to work or things won't work. Right. And I'm like probably the other side of the coin where I'm, you know, thinking about things a little more creatively looking at the, looking at like what I just described to you and this like brand that was this ember that needed to be coddled. That's mm -hmm. how I was viewing the business and him and I together, I think he's learned to like appreciate the importance of my side, my perspective, mm -hmm. which I think sometimes numbers guys don't. And I've learned a ton from him on just like the value of his perspective and looking at the the numbers of a business, which you need someone that knows about that. You're not going to just learn it on your own. So yeah, I think totally. we made a pretty good team, um, which he probably knew that we would. So credit to him there. But yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. Well, I mean, nobody probably knows you better than him anyway. So he knew what he was getting himself into. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, you guys have done partnerships with like resorts and stuff like that, like, and, you know, supplying bags for like rental clubs at, at certain areas and such. Like, 
How do some of those relationships come about? Like, do you guys reach out to say Bandon or do you, or do they come to you? It depends. I'd say we've been doing some business in some capacity with Bandon for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Um, like re- like now what's happening with, between us and Bandon is we have uh, bags for sale on their website. Okay. So nothing really in the pro shops, but if people want McKenzie's, they can go on the Bandon website. They can pick, we have one for each course actually. Oh, they cool. can put their initials on it and then we make it to order and drop ship it for them. Sweet. So that's kind of the program with Bandon, which has actually worked really well. I think with... Um, and it's different with each spot, like Pinehurst, for example, where we're like yeah. doing a restock order for them right now. And what works well for them is having like bags on the floor and selling them off the floor. And we've sold a bunch of really cool number two and number four bags through Pinehurst. Um, whereas Bandon is like, we don't want to sit on like $20,000 worth of golf bags. So let's just right. you know sell them through the website, which has worked really well there too. So like, it's just, each place is kind of different. And I think the last thing we want to do is like sell a bunch of golf bags to someone and then they like sit on them and don't sell them for a long time. And then by right. the time they've sold them all, they don't want to buy anymore. Cause they're like, that took forever. Like we're like always looking to be like, okay, what is, this is an expensive product. It's not lost on us. Like what's going to work well for like all parties involved here. where like your customer's happy the band or Pinehurst is happy and we're making golf bags. So we're happy. Like, let's make sure the, 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 the triangles work in here. Um, and we're like nimble. So that looks different at different places. And, you know, like we kind of have like a different little system for like, you know, we do a bunch of stuff with like the buck club and Sugarloaf, And we just did stuff with uh bogey boys, um, which is really cool. You should check it out. They, uh, all the proceeds are going to youth on course. And we just did like uh, three made to order bags that are drop shipped as well. Sweet. With the, with Macklemore's brand up in Seattle, bogey boys. That's sick. But yeah, it's just like, you know, we're, it's cool. We get to work with different people. And like I said, just every project's its own sort of adventure. So we get to kind of have a different program for whatever the case may be. Yeah, this uh, this question may be uh, kind of adjacent to redundant here, but like I imagine the bulk of your business is direct to consumer, obviously. So, what would you say is the importance of of you know the different channels and or wholesale? Like, is that like are you growing either one in particular? I mean, obviously, direct to consumer is always growing, hopefully, but uh, for margin purposes. But um, like, how important is wholesale? Like, do you guys? I mean, you guys do some green grass or, or country club stuff, it sounds like. Yeah, I think the big, sh- like when I said, if we rewind to when I was like saying I used to like travel and do sales, which yeah. I did for McKenzie, the strategy back then when we got started was like, we're going to have our not independent reps, like our own employees out there, like selling to green, green grass accounts and trying to sell golf bags. So paying to fly us around, go to hotels, try and sell stuff to country clubs, basically, and right. resorts, whatever. Um, and that just like, it would took, it was like three months and I was like, okay, this is not like, this isn't it. This is not going to work. So 
over the course of time, we completely, I was like, okay, we need to 180 the strategy here. The entire focus needs to be on direct to consumer and let's let the green grass wholesale chips fall where they may. Sure. That then like, we didn't have an Instagram. Like I started our Instagram at zero and like, okay, let's go on MailChimp and like start to get some subscribers and like maybe mail email people. And like, we built this sort of like direct to consumer model and by doing so, like the main way that like we sell, have always sold a golf bag to a country club for the most part is like John Smith, who's a member at ABC country club walks into his pro shop and goes, Hey, HP, I want a McKenzie bag with the logo on it. Can I order one? And then the head pro reaches out to us and like, we didn't do anything. He just knows about McKenzie, goes into his pro shop, pro reaches out to us. We make him a golf bag. Sweet. Done. Yeah. Like so it was like, okay, let's no overhead. Yeah. Nothing. And like, now that we've grown, like I've got some guys helping me with sales. Like we're taking, we have people responsible for taking care of Bandon and Pinehurst and like focusing on tournament gifts and like, like just making sure every pro at the clubs that have bought from us a reasonable amount knows who they can talk to. And like, we're here, we're here for you. So like, it's not like we like don't care or ignore right. wholesale business, but like, it's sort of like it, we focus on that direct to consumer and it almost like through like a backdoor way, like grew the wholesale business too, because like for tournament gifts, for example, there's probably some committee with like a team of members that are like deciding what the tournament gift is going to be. And like the way we're going to like convince him to buy McKenzie stuff is probably him seeing some like cool shit on Instagram, not like having some independent rapper rap, like kicking down doors, trying to convince him that this is what he should get. Right. That whole, just like let the chips fall where they may and focus on like, like directly communicating with our end customer has I think been a pretty also I feel like I got super lucky because like as all this was transpiring was like 2016 or whatever 17 maybe was like golf Instagram's like boom of like whoa like what's happening there's all these cool little like golf brands like what and we like we were like learning how to surf and like a perfect wave came and just like brought us to shore timing. Yeah. Timing Timing was extremely lucky with that. Um, But yeah, I feel like it didn't take long for me to just be like, yeah, this is never going to work this way. We need to like 180 this. Yeah. Which like, I'm not like bragging, like anybody could have seen that. Like, we're sure. spending a ton of money. And yeah, financial sense. Not making a ton of yeah. money. Like, what <laughs> yeah. are we doing? Yeah. Yeah, your dad would probably uh, jerk that chain real quick. Um, yeah. What? Uh, so what effect did COVID have on you? I think compared to like some of the others, not much really. But, well. I was going to say, did it help? As a business, as a, yeah. Like in terms of like affecting our, our growth, I would say... I would say we kind of had our big like booming growth year in 2019. And then like, since then we've kind of just been on like a steady climb and COVID. I don't feel like we like crushed it during COVID. Like we, we just kind of 
didn't affect us is what it felt like. It affected like some of our supply chain stuff was a little, I think, again, I feel bad. Like I'm not going to sit here and complain because so many people got, it was just brutally unfair. And realistically, like we had to deal with some issues, but in the grand scheme of things, our business stayed healthy. We were able to deal with the things that we needed to. Um, nobody got like really bad COVID on our team. Like I, we've kind of like, we made it through relatively unscathed, which is just like a godsend. I don't know what we did yeah. to deserve that, but thank God. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what happened like, or like, like almost literally, like what did you see happening in 2019 when it was that uptick? Was it more just um, an influx of orders due to like a tipping point, so to speak, or what, what like what was going on? I think you just like, it's hard to identify, but I think you kind of, we reached like, uh, it's a little of like a snowball effect. We're doing a lot of different things, but like, I think once we reached like a certain size where there's enough golf bags out of there, out there in the wild from the last couple of years that are like cool, that there's like, if someone sees it, there's something for them to go search like Google shows you the right things and like Instagram is there where like now we sort of had the tools set up where like our number one salesman salesperson is our customers. Like sure. hundred percent. You yeah. like, you see the bag on the range and like people will be like, Whoa, what's that? Or Whoa, sick bag or cool McKenzie or whatever. And yeah. they're out there golfing with their bag like that. Then people come and like, okay, I want to see what's up with that. Before they had to like, I don't know, call a phone number. And there was like a really, really like bad website and like no clear way to order it. Now there's a clear way to order it. There's an Instagram. There's like all the, all the things that should be there when they're interested in the product are there. Yeah. And like, we got the bags out there. We got the, like in, the stuff kind of going in 2019. I think like we kind of got this like inertia mm -hmm. that reached a point and then yeah, we just, I think we also like, I think what people don't know, we like, we are really proud of ourselves with our ability to make large orders. Mm. We are, I think like we earn some trust with like, we've done some pretty cool projects where we need a lot of time, but like our, we deliver on like orders for like 75 to 125 golf bags for like member guests and stuff like that. Sweet. That we like kind of 2019 is where we started doing that. And that makes a huge difference for us. That's like big, big business that like really helps us. And like, we, like I said, it's not something that you can call us like six weeks of we're not like, it's just not going to happen. We need right. a lot of time. Yeah. We've really gotten good at like making sure we like do what we need to do to make that stuff happen. So like the tournament gift business, I think in 2019 really started, like we kind of proved ourselves. We're like, okay, we just delivered like 125 bags for a member guest to Trinity forest. Like I, then all those guys go out and like, dude, look what we got. And then like yeah. you started getting some more of that, like, you know, so that I think was another big part um, of like the kind of growth we've experienced, but. Dude, nothing's better than like wealthy men showing their friends what they have that their friends don't. It's, Do you know what I mean? I, totally. 
You know, they're just like, oh my God, I have to have one too. Oh, oh, and I can customize it because, you know, I'm special and it needs to be this way. Like, <laughs> it's I so. Think, like, it's, that's a good point. And like, sometimes I, re- when stuff feels like stressful or I'm like worried about something or like something didn't go right. Yeah. It's always good to remind myself that like, we're selling golf bags to people that already have golf bags. <laughs> yes. Everything's going to be okay. Like, just relax. Everything's fine. This is yeah. like not open heart surgery. Yeah. It's just golf bags. It's okay. Yeah, totally. Well, speaking of that and customization and everything, like you said, like the main leather that you're using, you have like 40 different swatches of colors, right? So what's what's like the most common order you get? Like, is there like the, oh yeah, we got another one of these today. Is it just like black leather or like what? what's the most commonly sold like kind of creation? So we kind of have these. So other thing we did like maybe a year and a half ago, we started doing kind of, we started building out like a shop section to our website, which was new for us, like ready ship. Like if you buy it from the shop section, like it's right there and we're going to put it in the mail the next day. So sure. we have kind of our like tried and true, if you will, color combinations and varying configurations and materials. We probably have, I don't know, 10, um, few leather bags, few canvas bags, few nylon bags that are just like the tried and true colors that are like ready to ship. So those we obviously see a lot of, And like, as it gets low, we'll just like make a bunch of them and kind of keep them in stock. And that was like, that's been a big thing for us too. Cause like, it's still the same golf bag made the same way by the same people. It's just like, some people don't want to wait six weeks for a golf bag. They want to give it as a gift now, or they just want it now or whatever. So we've kind of like created that option for people, but to your question, which is like, what do you see a lot of, or like what's popular? It's where my mind immediately went. is like, we, I kind of think we have like, if you were to like do a gross generalization, there's like two categories of customers. There's like ones that come in and like, are like down for, they're trusting the rendering that we put together and they're like down for something new. They're not looking at pictures of anything. They're like invested in the like me and you communicating about what this bag's going to look like and like having an original thing, which is awesome. Then there's like the other category, which is like people that are like hell bent on copying some other cool bag that we've made and they want like some slightly edited version of that, which is mm-hmm. also cool. Like it looks cool. You can see it right there. Like, go for it. But what's funny is like that thing that they're copying that they like, like started out as the like original, at one point somebody was working on that with us and it was like an original thought. Right. You know, get what I'm getting at. So like, that's kind of the two. So we get a fair amount of people that like see the bat and people have like varying levels of like willingness to engage in the creative process. Like some people are like, picking the thread color and like asking like super intense questions others are like i want a blue one that looks like that like put can you put my name on it or like yeah (laughs) and then (laughs) and go like so you get like a wide variety but um yeah the ones we see like we see some bags where we've like we had an it's an original design with somebody from like three years ago but it's like that one gets copied a lot where like we like that one's like a repeat. Really? 
people like want that. So that's what cool. is it? What does it look like? Probably the most copied. So are you familiar with Sugarloaf? Vaguely. Club? Okay. Yeah. So one of my my good buddies, Ian, is kind of the like man behind the uh behind the phone on that and or computer or whatever. And he back in I don't know when this was, 2017 or 18, made this like charcoal navy crimson white like kind of like homage to like red white and blue but like charcoal with like some navy a little bit of red a little bit of white cream and that like was really the first time that we had done that believe it or not and like that's probably the most like like some version of gray with navy trim some red accents and like a white badge and split bottom or cream badge and split bottom has been like it's like so tried and true it's like interesting yeah, I don't know. Because it why. sounds because it sounds like sort of wild, like it's not super minimal sounding, but it also sounds like very heritage at the same time. I think that's it because it's like it's kind of like red, white, and blue, but like in a way where the navy's really dark and there's not that much white, and the red is kind of like crimson, and like and then the like I don't know. It's just like I think what it's sometimes hard for to get four colors into a bag right where it doesn't look like loud there's right. a little bit of like a it's a challenge it's a challenge like it can be we do it but like sometimes you just like go crazy and it looks crazy but like this i think looks pretty good oh that's um, cool but anyway that's like ian gilly's original like for his first like sugarloaf mckenzie bag has been copied a lot over the last like five years. Oh, wow. That's cool though. What, um, what is sort of the strategy and or approach to like growth year over year for you guys? Like, do you guys set a percentage of, of trying to grow or are you guys like, look, like we're good. We're not greedy, money hungry. Like what, what is the mentality behind growing a company like this? Slow and steady wins the race. I think, Um, yeah, we are, we don't have like, we need to grow X amount year over year, like nothing like that. I think Mm -hmm. we are just humbly happy that this business is working, that we make enough money to keep the lights on and, you know, like go on a golf trip once a year. So like, I think it's all just like, we're super grateful and I think at this point, we're just trying to like, not like as we're growing every year, just a little bit now, like we kind of had that big boom and now we're growing, 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 but like steady. And like, I think what we're trying to do is just like stay true to what has worked for us this far, which is just like quality product. I feel like quality customer service isn't the right, like we just want our customer experience to feel like this convert, like, you know how you businesses grow. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're getting like a template answer. They might be nice and responsive, but like, it doesn't feel like someone's like engaged with you and what's going on. Right. All, all we only want, like it's three of us, like always just engaged customer service, like engaged, like it's me and you talking. Uh, and then just like really honest social media stuff. Like, no, we've never done any like, you know, paid promotions or like follow and like, and like be, you know, 
subscribe to our mailing list to be entered to win like a set of whatever. Uh, so just like our, our social media strategy is just like, let's take pictures of the cool stuff that we do and put it up there. And like, isn't there, and I've always thought like, I have more brand loyalty to the brands that I discover on my own versus the ones that I've been like spoon fed. Like I don't really, I might buy something that's cool that I'm like served, but like, I don't really care that much about the brand. Yeah. You're, you're like product driven at that, at that point. Right. But like, if I go, like if I found someone with this golf bag and I'm like, what is that? And then I go search it and I find it and I hit the follow button because the pictures are cool. Yeah. I'm, that's a quality person that we want to engage with that is like, likes us. Sure. If our Instagram grows you know, 40% slower because we're not doing served ads or, you know, tons of like, dude, the thing now is these vertical format videos, the Instagram reels. Right. It's, I've trying to come up with a strategy on how to like pivot to doing some of that in our own way, because like what we used to, I mean, maybe we used to like, I just occasionally our photos now will just like completely flop. Oh, sure. Yeah. 30, whatever thousand people following us. And, you know, uh, sometimes our photos after two days, it's like got 250 likes and like, no, I felt like no one saw it. Yeah. The, the engagement's way off. Yeah. 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 It's like, what happened? And then like, we've kind of started experimenting with these reels. Cause like, that's the thing, I guess. And, um, yeah, like one, we did one that got like a hundred thousand views or whatever. I was like, oh, okay. This is, I think, so this is the first time I think I'm, I'm at a bit of a crossroads. I haven't talked to anybody about this, by the way. So forgive me for just perhaps blabbing or talking off the, hear it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just feel like I'm at a bit of a crossroads now with Instagram where it's like, I'm not in the Instagram thing to like get followers. I just want to like have the Reese, like a library of stuff for people to see, but like Instagram is a different beast like same animal, different beast now. And it's, I don't know. I'm at a crossroads. We're like, we got to kind of figure this out. So yeah, you have any so, advice for me? <laughs> well, I mean, I have a 10th of the followers that you have, but uh, so what honesty is the best policy, right? Like as long as it's coming from an honest place, I started doing these reels. I hate being in front of the camera, frankly. Uh, but I also understand that like, and this was another question I was going to ask you, like, do you, do you work with photographers and like, do, do you hire anybody to shoot your stuff or are you guys all in house? I was like a very, I've always been a little into photography, but this job in Mackenzie has launched me into like oh, cool. photography on another level. So I have not that I'm like a great, I'm pretty damn good at taking pictures of golf bags. I'm mediocre at taking pictures of golf courses and that's about where my like photography stops. So no, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you're better than you're leading on, but, and, and same with me, like I only worked with a photographer for the first time in July and honestly, he's sort of serving as a brand ambassador for me as well. So he's like wearing my gear and then, you know, we worked together on this photo project for a lookbook that I'm literally putting together now because I've never had like anything to hand somebody and or, you know, send them a link of like, 
a lookbook for, for wholesale purposes primarily. Um, cause I don't really want to be a strong wholesale distribution company, much like McKinsey. Like I really want to focus on kind of letting those chips fall as they may. And if like, and I think back to your point, the reason why they come to you in the hindsight is like, Oh my God, this is cool. We could make money selling these. So let me approach McKenzie about having some stock in these. And Oh, by the way, we love the product, you know? And so when that comes up for standard H, which I'm not there yet, um, it, it'll feel wonderful and, and I'll have the materials and, and the know-how and all the back end stuff dialed for them to make choices of what to order. Because right now I don't even have a lookbook, right? Like I, right now, if you wanted to buy standard H as a wholesale distributor, I'd be like, cool, go to the website and tell me what quantities you want. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's basically yeah. Yeah. how that works now. So Again, I'm a one-man band. I do all of my uh, prior to July and and even now since July, like I shoot all my photography, I do all everything, like literally everything, web development, design, product description, this podcast, editing, you know, design, production, all, everything. So, um and and with that, you also get that engaged interaction. Like if you reach out to Standard H, you're getting me, you know. Totally. Like if you say chat with us on our website, you're talking to me <laughs> like, and it, but which is super cool. valuable. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Cool. You know, it comes from a really it is. It honest is. place. And, and I think from like your point about Instagram, like even though that video got a hundred thousand likes where my brain goes to just as a business owner is like the likes are great. How many orders happened? Do you know what I mean? And so like, I have to balance that too. What's also unique about our situation is that like, I, our like conversion cycle is very long. Mm -hmm. So like that video probably doesn't like, you don't just like see the video and go buy a bag. It's right. not like a hat or a shirt. It's like, it's like our conversion cycle might be like six months. Oh, sure. That guy sees that video and he's like, damn, this is cool. Then he's like talking to his friend that has one. Should I get one? And then he like sees more photos and is engaging. And then eventually his birthday rolls around and he gets one. And, and that has, that has everything to do with price. You know, I think anything that's expensive, people got to give it some thought. I think it has to do with the price, but also the like, it's like a blank canvas. Like you're spending the price and have this like blank canvas to paint the way you want. Like you don't want to fuck that up. Like, yeah. you know, you want to like, you want to get it right. And that's why people ask so like, we get asked, like I did, I, they make their bag and they're like, am I missing anything? I'm like, no, you're not missing anything. But like, they like want to make sure that like they did this the right way and they've considered all the like possible choices and I think that's what drags out the process too for people is like, you just don't want to mess it up. Like you're spending a bunch of money on a cool custom golf bag that you'll have for a really long time. Like don't do something that you'll regret, I guess. So like the, that's, that's a the, point of, of emphasis for people, I think. Yeah. I think a good analogy to that is getting your first tattoo. For like, sure. That's, you're gonna, a great, that's a great metaphor. You know what I mean? Like you're going to think about that thing. <laughs> I can go one step further with that is more is kind of like a thing that we tell people 
Yeah. Um, which is probably true with the, your first tattoo. Maybe, maybe make it a little smaller, a little conservative, see how we feel about it. Yeah. Don't go for the big back tat dragon right. tattoo. <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, yeah, to, to your point, it's just like, less is we, we we say to people less is more because like a lot of the times this like blank canvas it's like a, a bag will kind of turn into a billboard because they like right they just want like all the things and it's like less is like you will regret having all the things in like two years if you just like if you just got a one color bag with your initials on it the whole thing's one color with your initials in one pocket like i guarantee you that's the bag that like your kid would be stoked to have in like 30 years. That's like, it's just like, so, there's nothing going on. Like less is almost always more with exception to some projects where you kind of go fuck wild, but like, yeah, less is more. No, a hundred percent because then you also don't get sick of it as easy. Right. And it's not distracting. And, and honestly, I think for a product like yours, and, and potentially even mine with my t-shirts, right? Is that like you let the quality of the materials and the construction speak, right? Because that's why you buy a, a McKenzie, right? Because of it's, it's beautiful, it's well-made, and it's unique in that sense because, it, you know, the ping hoofer is not going to be made from leather. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, I think that's true. And like, it's sometimes hard to convince people of that because it's like, it's like, Oh my God, I can do whatever I want. But yeah. like, if I can give it's, it's very common for all three of us here to give the advice, like less is more like you won't regret like being a little conservative. You might regret like throwing a couple extra goofy things on your bag. Yeah. I think the Delta between regret of wanting more is it's interesting compared to like the regret of oh shit I had I should not have done this totally right because like if you take your bag out onto the course wanting like maybe a different color stitching you're still proud to show your bag but if you're that guy who's like shit I shouldn't have done this like you're not even gonna want to carry your bag <laughs> like, that's, that's a great point I may uh, I may recycle that tidbit if if someone needs a little extra convincing of my my less is more sentiment so yeah 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 hundred percent what's the uh, what's the hardest part been for you or currently um are you very Zen the obstacle is the way <laughs> I am pretty Zen I would say. I think the hardest part for me initially, which you probably will, if you can't relate to this, you will based on how you've described your current situation, but like hiring Ian and Alec, especially Ian who was first and letting go of some responsibility was really hard for me because the whole, I guess there was like a pretty um, observable shift for me that was like, we went from like, it went from, can we make this business like work, keep the lights on, keep everybody employed and happy, like, and everybody like it's, we get to keep going. Can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it? Went over that hill. Okay. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. And I kind of needed to like smack myself and be like, okay, it's working now. Let's switch. I had to have like a conversation with myself to go, you need to switch your brain from like 
can this work to, okay, how do we responsibly make this grow now that it is working? Mm -hmm. Because like, it's two completely different like frames of mind to like, that's a different energy to bring into the office every day. Yeah. I had to like, really like have that conversation with myself. And part of that was like hiring Ian and like, I needed help when I hired Ian. Cause like in, there was a point there where like, I was answering the phone, like you, I was like finishing and shipping golf bags, answering the phone, doing info at taking care of all the sales. Like I was just like, Holy shit. Like this is insane. So yeah. Ian came and even despite it being insane, like it's really difficult when you love something like, and have put a lot of work into it and care about how it is done to just like, here you go. You do it now. Like that's a hard thing to do. And I think it's a skill that I've like gotten better at and I'm still working on just like, and now that I have Ian and Alec, like if I had to go back to doing it, like, nope, no, thank you. Like I'm, I'm out. Like I can't go back now that I have them. It's like, okay, I was wrong to be like, like you need help. Like we need to be a team here. So that part was really hard beyond that, dude. There's obviously like little stuff that feels like it's important, but it's probably like in the grand scheme of things, I work with some awesome people, super talented, make cool golf bags for people. That's like a pretty low, like sometimes stuff goes wrong or we have to fit like, it's okay though. It's just a golf bag. Right. Like we always make it right. Like our strategy was like when shit goes sideways, I view it as like, you have two options. You can not take care of this person to a level that they're satisfied with. And they will be pissed and probably talk bad about you. Yeah. You can take care of them so well. That's like unreasonably well, like something went wrong with your golf bag. Keep it. We'll make you a new one. Okay. That costs us a bunch of time and money, but that person goes now, whoa, they took good care. And they go from being like someone that'll talk crap about you to like someone that's like, whoa. And like, so those are your two options. There's nothing in between. They either aren't going to like how it goes or they're going to like how it goes. And I choose make them like how it goes every single time, no yeah. matter how much it costs you like do it. And so when you have that perspective, like the stuff that goes wrong, it's, it's easier to brush off too. Like you don't feel that like anxiety of like, we messed this guy's up right. thing up. And then we have to like butt heads with him and like not do it. Just like take care of him. That yeah, almost makes the things that like go wrong. Like you can kind of brush them off and he's all of a sudden your buddy. Cause you just took good care of him. Yeah that's like our whole approach. And I try to like, I do Ian and Alec do the same thing. It's just like, take care of people. And like your enemies become your friends like that. And enemies is probably a little intense. Your right. people who are upset become your buddies. So yeah. That's kind of I, our approach. And I'll speak for you on this one. That's not an invitation for all of you listening to order a bag, complain about something and get a free bag. I get the hell too. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And, but I think we're also like, Like if you're being completely unreasonable, right? I and here's the thing: the secret to that, call people. Oh yeah, being unreasonable asshole about something, I just I don't respond. I pick up the phone and I call him. Like, hey, my name's Nick. This is the seek. This is the details that you've laid out. This is how I look at it. Tell me how you look at it. Right. It's a lot harder on the phone than it is in an email. So like, I'm fair. Like, let's lay out the situation. And a lot of times I'll put it back on the customer. I'm like, okay, here's how I view it. Tell me how you view it. What do you think is fair? 
Right. Exactly. Then it's like, okay, the ball's in your court. Like, let's see what you got. And yeah. that usually works pretty well. Yeah, dude. I love that. Are you married? I am not. I am very single looking for a nice <laughs> girl. I, uh, <laughs> I have a dog. That's it. That's cool. Hey, that's a start, dude. Just, you know, walk, walk the dog a lot. You know, you'll get a lot of attention. Uh, yeah. I, I tried when he was a cute little puppy, I was living in Northwest Portland in an apartment. I tried, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it didn't work. No, the, the only, yeah. The, the reason I asked for that, cause that's an odd question. I don't think I've ever asked on this podcast before, but it's, um, you know, it comes down to trust, right. In hiring people and like, you know, delegating or trusting that somebody's going to do something for you when you're not the one doing it. And when you're single, you do everything in the house. Right. But then when you get married, those responsibilities can be divvied up. And, and, and so anyway, that's a similar mentality, but the other thing I was going to piggyback on that sort of uh, bit of the conversation was I'm sure now in hindsight too, when you're thinking and, and you're right, like one day I'm going to have to hire somebody and I'm freaking out about it at one point, you know, but I know when it happens, it's just like starting the business. Like I waited years to start this business. And now the biggest regret I have is not having done it sooner. Right. And it's probably like hiring in that way. You know totally. what I mean? That's it's like you're, yeah, it's like you're scared to go down the big scary roller coaster. And once you do, you're like, that was amazing. That wasn't like, scary. It, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. scary. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, I guess like, uh, if I were to give anyone some advice, it's like try and like I legitimate like step back and look at the situation as best you can, like unbiasedly, from thirty thousand feet, and then be like, okay, this needs to be done. Let's like approach it with that mindset, not mm -hmm. the like you know, the mindset you had before the task needed to be done. Like totally. I was, like I said, I was stuck in this, like I do everything mindset. Okay. This is working now. I need to shift to like, how do we responsibly grow the business? And like looking at it through a different lens helped a lot. Yeah. That's cool. Well, obviously you're not married. You don't have children, but I heard this question recently and I thought it was kind of cool is if you could pick one trait about yourself to pass on to your children, what would it be? Ooh. bro this is that's an intense question <laughs> i like it though it's kind of cool that's a good that's a good question not to say that you can't pass other traits on but like what's the one you want to like you want to make sure you pass on to your kids this also forces you to be nice to yourself which is another reason why i like this question i would say i'm just there's probably a better answer than this or a more important trait, but one that just came to mind based on the conversation that we've had that I feel like I've gotten good at is maintaining like perspective and like your wits about you when faced with adversity. Like don't, I've gotten better at like maintaining a bit of humor and perspective when shit goes sideways. Like don't get flustered, relax. Like you're going to wake up tomorrow you're going to put your shoes on and go to work. Like it's all going to be okay. Like approach the adversity with a clear mind as best you can. Like I've gotten a lot better at that. Um, and I think that like that makes your life less stressful and makes sure. you smarter. I think like it, 
you like problem solve and then learn something from it when you're not like freaking out and flustered. So maintain, uh, yeah, be cool when stuff goes sideways, try and foster that, I guess. I love that. If you could automatically download 10 years of experience in a subject, what would you do? Can I do like entire Adobe suite? Like everything. <laughs> just like like Photoshop, Illustrator. Well, I'm I'm that. decent with Illustrator and Photoshop. If I could be like Premiere and like <laughs> InDesign and the uh, animate and like everything. If I would love to just be a beast at like or not a beast even, just like read at like an eighth grade level at like all right. of Adobe products, that would be sick. But that's so bad. <laughs> I feel like if you can edit videos and like make logos like you're valuable in today's like economy like that's like if i like and you don't even need to like like if you're a creative person just like a little bit of creativity in there and you can kind of do those two things like you are like way coming out of the gates hot to like go start a business like you are you're you're in really good shape so I think like I kind of dabble, like I'm okay at like photography and I know how to use like Photoshop and Illustrator kind of, mm-hmm. but like, I would love to be like good at Adobe. 10 That's... years of like professional experience with Adobe Suite. Sign me up, dude. Yeah. That's a, that's a professional answer. Um, if you had one album to listen to for the rest of your life, what is it? Uh... <laughs> um... Usually that's uh, usually the question I ask is what was the first album you ever paid for with your own money? American idiot by green day. Hell yeah. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. Would that be the album you'd listen to forever? Probably not. (laughs) I remember this is like early days of that. It was like in between like CDs and iPod. And that was the first time I think my parents like realized I was listening to explicit music. And that was, so that like memories like burned into my, I was like, I don't know, little kid listening to like <laughs> Green Day, just got some, got some like politically charged, like bad language in it. So, well, it became a Broadway play. So, I mean, maybe there, <laughs> it, but I don't know one album, it's gotta be like, I don't know, dude, that's so hard. I, I don't have any like fierce loyalty. I like a lot of different music and for what it's worth, Ian and Alec here are both like pretty into music. So they've gotten me like more, they're showing me a lot of new stuff. Ian is really into the Grateful Dead. Like, and you know how they are annoyingly. So, and then Alec, Alec is a Jimmy Buffett diehard. So we've got a diverse, we've got a diverse. Yeah. We got Grateful Dead, like war on drugs is like Ian's jam. And then like, 2000s hip-hop and jimmy buffett is alec and i'm like i'll take it all in but yeah i was like that's a lot of drugs and alcohol (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but oh man that's hilarious what was the first car you ever had 1999 subaru outback oh sweet white solid car you see you don't see them very much in like i lived in southern california they're like few and far between up here, like every fifth car is just some version of a Subaru Forester or Subaru Outback. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, I had a Subaru Outback. Um, what do you drive today? I have a Forerunner. Oh, cool. So you, you you love the utility. I with the dog and the rear tailgate window rolls down and 
I like to go fishing and camping a good bit. So nice. It's a good utility vehicle. I'm probably not like, you know, like a lot of those, like there's the Wrangler Colt and there's the like Bronco Colt and there's the Forerunner Colt and Land Cruiser Colt. I'm not, yeah. I don't subscribe to that as much as I, you know, some other people do, but I think yeah. I like Toyota as a, as a brand. Toyota is a great example of like not advertising quality, but being known for quality. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I, I'm, this is not my original, uh, uh, bit here. I've, I've heard, observed this and heard this, but like good brands that like are known for quality do not advertise. Like you don't tell someone something is high quality. They get it and form their own opinion that it is high quality. And that's where like lasting reputation for quality comes from. So we kind of like try to do the same thing. It's like, we're not going to sit here and like brag about how good our like quality is just like let that speak for chips fall where they may yeah yeah um one of the things that is the biggest pet peeve of mine is when t-shirt companies say they're premium t-shirts it drives me crazy (laughs) there are nicer shirts than others but the only reason i say this is because it's exactly what you said the t-shirts that are actual great quality don't talk about it yeah. I love I think that. there's there's a lesson to be learned there. And I think yeah. like Toyota crushes that. How often are you playing golf these days? Uh because I... one great way not to play golf is to work in golf. Dude, ain't that the <laughs> truth? Uh but for I feel like I've had a pretty golfy summer, which has been cool. Sweet. Yeah, I my brother uh, just graduated from grad school. So we did a family trip to like London and played all the like Heathland courses around London just to, wow. uh, in June. So a month and a half ago or so. Incredible. Um, so that was really cool. But yeah, I think I've been fortunate this summer to feel like I've gotten a good amount of golf in. And the tough part for us here where it rains is yeah. in November, your handicap freezes. <laughs> Cause you can't post scores because it's winter rules. So like November through March or February, March, you can't post scores. So like you play all summer are playing good. Your handicap gets down and it's frozen and people still play. Like we go play, I'll go sure. play with my buddies, but like everybody is like playing, like my handicaps, like a one and I go shoot like 85 and like, cause I haven't been playing golf and like, it's just brutal. So that happens to everybody though. So are you a one? Are you I a scratch golfer? Oh, sick. 1.5. And but I'm scared because I'm not like, I've been playing pretty good and it's going to go away. And then I'm stuck at that 1.5 for five months. months. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. What's, uh, what's your setup? What's, what's in the bag? Uh, and more importantly, what bag are you carrying? What does it look like? Uh, I carry a seven inch bag. So the smaller bag with one pocket. Okay. And it's, uh, this kind of like, not to use a term that you don't like, but premium wax <laughs> canvas. So we have our, like our wax canvas is this like 16 ounce, uh, duck canvas. And it's about 18 ounces per square foot. Once all the wax gets in there, there's a slightly heavier weight canvas called filter twill, which rather than like 
a more standard woven pattern. It almost, you know, how like a corduroy pattern has like ridges in it. Yeah, of course. Talking about, yep. it's like, it's like that, but wax canvas. So it's like almost like a corduroy wax canvas, a little heavier weight. Interesting. That's what I have. And it's trimmed in horween, but it's just olive with like brown horween trim. Super, super uh, low key. Cool. I uh, I don't know. I'm a pretty big ping guy. I always use ping irons, so I've got some ping I210s. Their driver's great. Yeah, I'm I'm I have the 410. I'm I'm hanging out waiting to pull the trigger on a 425. I think, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I've got some cool national custom wedges, um, and I just got a new putter from a guy named Kerry Lajosi in Australia okay. makes okay. like custom, custom milled putters. Um, and I've, I, this uh, other fella who's a good friend that works for us kind of part-time, his name's Zach and he's super into club building like himself. So cool. he's been, he's like enabled all of us golf nerds to like have a guy to help us build clubs. And through that, I've started getting into like regripping and I bought like a shaft extractor and a little belt sander and, I'm starting to try and put my golf clubs together myself, which is kind of a fun. Oh, that's cool. It's, I wouldn't recommend it because like you start <laughs> looking for stuff to tinker with because oh. you like want to, it's bad. So yeah, don't, yeah. Like it's fun, but it's also like just been a way to spend money that you need to. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to not know what you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, dude. Well, man, this has been a blast. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about or promote for that matter? Uh, no, I guess it's been really fun to talk to you. So thank you for the opportunity. And uh, Yeah, my pleasure. Let's connect offline and chat about a golf bag for you and some other ways we could uh, collaborate. And uh, I guess the only thing I would tell people if they're listening and are interested in a golf bag week we inevitably get like a ton of people that want uh, golf bags for the holidays. And right. I would encourage get you on to get early. on it now. Cause usually we'll do like a cutoff a little before Thanksgiving. And if you subscribe to our mail list or follow us on Instagram, we kind of like let people know like, Hey, here comes, it's coming. The cutoff's coming. And like, so it's just like, you can't order a golf bag in mid December and get it for Christmas. So if you want right. one as, as a, as a holiday gift, um, just kind of, yeah. Be uh, on your toes. But um, other than that, I guess just anybody that's carrying our golf bag or likes what we do, thank you so much. And I appreciate the platform to talk about some of this stuff. And it was super awesome chatting with you, Leslie. So. Yeah, no, man, I, I really appreciate it. And um, and if people don't want to go in head first, you guys make shoe bags too. Totally. So, so we make uh, shoe bags. I think our my favorite product that we make that's not our golf bag is our valuables pouches. Yeah. Um, just like a little drawstring pouch. I use it for like people use it for different stuff, but I put all my, you know, ball marks, tees, pitch tools, nail clippers, chapstick, all the little trinkety things I put in that. And uh I even carry one in my backpack. Like you can put camera lenses in it. Like it's just like a really well made, not terribly expensive. Mackenzie product that's like got a lot of different functionality and is like under a hundred bucks. You can get a cool something that will last a really long time and is like a nice little leather pouch. So oh, that's, that's a great gift if you're not looking to invest in a golf bag. Right. 
Awesome, man. Well, man, I really appreciate the time. Uh, Nick, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Uh, hopefully I'll, I'll make it down to Southern California here sooner or later and we can meet Dude, in person. And I got a guest room. Crash here. Yeah, you're good. good. That's very kind. Have you been yeah. to Bandon before? I've never been to Bandon. It's a bucket so list. So you got to, obviously. And when you do, come through Portland and uh, we'll have you out at uh, somewhere to golf, Portland Golf Club or Waverly and show you the shop and Oh man, that sounds like a blast, dude. Um, cool. Well, let's uh, let's chat offline because I've got ideas. Sounds good, bro. <laughs> okay, man. See ya. Thanks a lot. This wraps up this episode of the Standard H Podcast. If you like what you heard, I'd love it if you'd share it with a friend or two. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show as it helps others discover these episodes. It absolutely helps far more than you realize. Shout out to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful for the theme track, as well as Clear Audio for the noise-canceling headphones. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care.